Philippine inflation accelerates in December, beating analysts' expectations while staying within government's target. Two Philippine government officials head to the Middle East, where tensions between the U.S. and Iran are rising. Philippine lawmakers, meanwhile, are open to holding a special session to tackle the Middle East crisis. And Grab Philippines wants to relaunch its motorcycle taxi service. Good afternoon. I'm Carmina Constantino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. Welcome to the program. Philippine inflation accelerated in the last month of 2019 on the back of higher transport costs and increase in prices of food and non-alcoholic beverages. December inflation picked up 2.5 percent, up from November's 1.3. That brings the 2019 full-year average to 2.5 percent, finally within the Philippine government's target range of 2 to 4 percent. The Philippine Statistics Authority notes prices of consumer goods usually pick up during the holiday season, but it was tempered by the continued easing of rice prices. At the national level, the seasonality adjusted CPI for all items picked up by 0.8% in December 2019. The major contributor to the December 2019 inflation was food and non-alcoholic beverages with an annual rate of 1.7% and a share of 27.9% to the overall inflation. So if you look at the inflation rate, for rice in December, uh, it was actually negative 6.8%. Inflation in the national capital region eased from 5.5% in 2018 to 2.6% in 2019. Regions outside NCR also experienced lower annual average inflation, with Region 11 or the Zambanga Peninsula posting the lowest at 1%. The Mimaropa region in Luzon recorded the highest annual average inflation at 3.9%. The Philippine Central Bank not surprised by the faster-than-expected December inflation turnout as it still falls within its forecast range of up to 2.6 percent. For this year, the Central Bank expects inflation to approach 3 percent, the midpoint of government's target, with risks tilting to the upside. The bank flags volatility in global oil prices and the potential impact of the African swine fever outbreak as the main upside risks to inflation. Global trade and policy uncertainty as well as geopolitical tensions, meanwhile, are seen as inflationary risks to the downside. The BSP says it will consider the recent economic developments here and abroad in crafting policy to ensure price stability and economic growth. Malacanang voices confidence in the country's inflation performance. The palace says the latest inflation rate should not be a cause for alarm since it falls within government's target. It adds it considers high inflation, which peaked at 6.7% in 2018, as a thing of the past. Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte sends two of his officials to the Middle East where tensions between the U.S. and Iran are rising. Duterte has also formed a top-level committee that will make sure Filipinos are out of harm's way if war breaks out in the region. Crystal Agdameo reports. Iran seems to be hand, uh, bent on uh, irritation, which I think will come. It's a matter of time. Two 
Philippine cabinet officials off to the Middle East to make sure no Filipinos are harmed in case hostilities break out between the United States and Iran. Malacanang says on President Duterte's orders, Environment Secretary Roy Simatu will coordinate with Middle East countries hosting Filipino workers and lay the groundwork for their possible evacuation. Simatu is a former military chief and special envoy to the Middle East who in 2004 secured the release of a Filipino hostage in Iraq. Duterte's advisor and overseas Filipino workers, Abdullah Mamau, also heading to Iran and Iraq where there are nearly 8,000 Filipinos. Iran has vowed a crushing revenge for the death of its top military commander, Qasem Soleimani, in a U.S. airstrike in Baghdad last week. U.S. President Trump has warned of a major retaliation if Tehran attacks any American interest or citizen. The Pentagon also sending additional troops to the Middle East. We do not know what would be the end result of this uh, crisis. It could lead to a protracted war. It could be a wide-scale strife. But whatever, whatever it is, uh, we Filipinos are really in grave peril. There are about 1.2 million Filipino workers in the Middle East. Most of them are in Saudi Arabia, according to Philippine government data. I do not have anything nari worry, were it not for the fact there are a lot of Filipinos there. And it would take us a huge gargantum effort just in case total breaks out of how to bring them back safely. After signing the country's spending bill for 2020 Monday, Duterte asked Congress and Finance Secretary Sonny Dominguez to prepare funds for the possible repatriation of Filipinos in the Middle East. We need billions there. Stand by lang. And uh, calculate what would be the, 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 the calibrated withdrawals first in places where uh, it is really very dangerous. If it spells the difference between the life and death of Filipinos, Sane Dominguez says, we have the money. We will buy, borrow, steal. Nakawa natin yung central bank mismo natin. Well, we'll, we'll, if we have to do it, we will do it. A special working committee composed of the National Security Advisor and the Interior, Defense, Foreign Affairs and Transportation Secretaries will draw up the evacuation plan. Concerned government agencies have also been told by the President to prepare for contingencies for Filipino workers who will be displaced by the Middle East conflict. The Philippine House of Representatives opened to Grand President Duterte's request for a special session to map contingency measures in case the U.S.-Iran tensions worsen. That's according to House Majority Leader Martin Romualdez. He says House Speaker Alan Peter Cayetano has already asked lawmakers to prepare a possible special session to address concerns of Filipinos in the Middle East. The Philippine Drug Enforcement Agency slams Vice President Lenny Robredo's report, which described the war on drugs as a massive failure. 
The agency calls Robredo's report a mere political attack against President Duterte and says the vice president had ignored government's accomplishments in the anti-narcotics campaign. These include clearing thousands of villages from illegal drugs, seizing over 40 billion pesos worth of illegal substances, and the decline of crime index. Malacanang has also questioned Robredo's basis in coming up with her own drug war report. Siguro wala siyang, wala, siyang, wala siyang figures na pinangawakan. Si Presidente meron. Being the President has unlimited resources. Eh si BP Lenny, ang gandun lang siya doon sa opisina niya at saka nakaupo lang siya ng ilang araw. Nag-anon na kagad. Naging biglang magaling o maging eksperto. The Dangerous Drugs Board addresses Vice President Lenny Robredo's recommendation, saying the agency is already working on updating the real numbers in government's anti-drug campaign. The DDB says it's already asked for help from several government agencies to come up with unified numbers. But while the DDB admits their figures are not updated, they are sure about improving numbers. DDB also defending the Philippine Drug Enforcement Agency as the head of the ICAD. It insists that PIDEA, as the implementing arm of the board, is more than qualified to lead the anti-drug committee. While the Duterte drug war still has room for improvement, Manila Mayor Isco Moreno believes it's unfair to call it a massive failure. Moreno says it is an injustice to the efforts of enforcement agencies and officers who put their lives on the line in the campaign against illegal drugs. Moreno adds some 164 villages in Manila have been declared drug-free in the six months of his administration. A 2018 study by the country's top schools had shown the national capital region was the biggest hotspot for killings in the first year of the war on drugs. If I'm going to grade our enforcement unit, I think we did fairly. You know? it, it's not a, in a better situation, mm -hmm. but fairly, because it's being addressed in such manner that uh, we are uh, apprehending people or individuals who are involved in these uh, illegal activities and we properly identify uh, uh, areas of concern that uh, with the limited resources we are aligning and utilizing, utilizing that resources mm -hmm. towards a particular community. These are the things that you really have to be very careful. You really have to be very careful with this type, type of statement because it might, it might demoralize enforcement unit because we have to give value also to their effort na nilalagay nila sa sarili nila sa alanganin. An estimated 10,000 workers are affected by the Philippines' partial deployment ban to Kuwait, but as Zen Hernandez tells us, Manila's Labor Department wants to set new conditions for the Middle Eastern country before it even considers lifting the ban. Janice and Orinda have completed all necessary requirements for their employment in Kuwait. They were hoping to leave this month, but things did not go as planned after the Philippine government issued a partial deployment ban to Kuwait following the death of another overseas worker. Janice is devastated for she has nine siblings and parents to support. <laughs> Norinda has six kids in Bohol, but she can't even go back home. Mula na akong pirang iuuwi. Kaya maganap na lang ako mga sideline. 
para makatulong din ako sa pamilya ko. According to the Coalition of Licensed Agencies for Domestic and Services Workers or CLADS, they can reimburse expenses incurred by workers. However, most workers prefer to wait it out until the ban is lifted. They estimate around 10,000 workers are currently affected by the ban. Losses are even greater for both recruitment agencies and employers since they spend an average of 1,900 U.S. dollars for every worker. But CLADS clarified they are not against the government's decision to impose a partial ban. The agency that deployed Janeline Villavende to Kuwait is a member of CLADS. The agency says her employer promised to send Janeline home this January after a request from her family, which is why they are shocked and angered by what happened. Sana ibinarik niya na lang sa agency or dinala niya sa Filipino versus Labor Office or pinauwi na lang niya kaysa ginawa niya, nilagay niya sa ang uh, parusa sa kamay niya. Labor Secretary Silvestre Bellio said previously they'd like to see charges filed against Jenlin's employers first before even considering lifting the partial ban. But now they also want Kuwait to agree to a template employment contract for Filipinos who will be working in Kuwait. Bellio is waiting for the forensic report on Jenlin's death, after which the Philippine government will arrange for the repatriation of her remains. Zen Hernandez, ABS-CBN News. Ride hailing from Grab wants in on the Philippines' modal make that motorcycle taxi service industry. The company says it is seriously considering to relaunch its Grab bike service in a bid to provide affordable transport alternatives to commuters. It adds such a service complements TNVS since the two have very distinct market segments to cater to. Should it be revived, Grab Bike will go against market leaders Angkas as well as new players Joyride and Move It. The firm used to operate Grab Bike until mid-2016 where the service was discontinued in compliance with government regulations. But now, government is looking into possible regulation for motorcycle taxis. The Philippine Senate will begin its hearing on motorcycle taxi regulation January 14th. And that's today's online edition of Dateline Philippines. Thanks for joining us. I'm Carmina Constantino. Don't forget to like and share this video and leave your comments below.